0: It is 9.32 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It is the 30th day of August, 2023, and the first day of school for my kids, who were none too happy about it. <clears throat> took a picture of my daughter standing in front of her uh, school sign, and wow, you want to talk about a depressing-looking expression on her face. Holy smokes, man. I, yeah, I used to be excited about going back to school. You know, it took about a full... Two days before I realized, oh God, it's school. And, you know, well, at least she's, at least my daughter is basically, has realized that, you know, immediately. Anyway, this is, what, episode 784 of Bitcoin. And we've got a few things to cover on the Grayscale SEC thing. Now that the fallout is cleared, Uh, it should be an interesting ride. But please, please, please understand. That just because the SEC got, you know, got the little hand slapped by the D.C. District Court does not mean that the SEC has to actually approve the application for Grayscale to convert its Grayscale Bitcoin trust into a spot Bitcoin ETF. They can still deny it. They just didn't want to do the applica- they didn't want to read the application. That's what this is boil- going to boil down to, and, and you'll see that here in a minute. Uh, Elon Musk apparently is going to be able to transmit money on X. Uh, we got a BlockFi uh, news blurb coming out, and let's see what else. So oh, we got a couple of things. I want to get into that river reducing its um, uh, lightning channel capacity uh by 40 I think it's about 50%. I think it's actually 48% is what they're saying and they've got some reasoning behind that which uh, it sounds bad at the, on the uh you know up front but honestly I I think that they actually have the right idea. We'll we'll get into some of that. Uh nucleus is out and we'll talk about that when it comes to lightning and we got a couple of other things like people wanting to burn tires for BTC. That's right. And honestly, I'm not a fan of burning tires for energy. I, I am if, 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 if you've got good scrubbers in place, because it's not the CO2 that bugs me. You know what else burns off at of tires? It's, ugh, man, the tire fire is a bad deal, bro, bad deal. We'll get into all of that. But first, first and foremost, we've got to talk about the Circle P right we we, we got to do it. Circle P vendor today, and for all of this week is in fact Rev.Hodl, who has, in fact, told me that it is Reverend Hoddle. However, there is already a Reverend Hoddle on Noster, so he's going with rev. Hoddle. announcing revv.hoddles applied Permaculture class and Fireside Bitcoin Meetup. If you want to learn what permaculture is about. And we're not talking about getting a permaculture design certificate. That is not what this is. This is to answer questions for people who are like, what is permaculture? Why do these people keep talking about it? Are they absolutely psychotic? Or is there something to this? Well, you can go find that out over at Hoddle's place. Uh, he is going to be having a three-hour class and a whole bunch of other stuff too, uh, the class itself and the tour of this uh, little homestead that has permaculture elements involved into it start, is on Sunday, September the 17th. Tickets are 250,000 Satoshis. There are a total of 21 tickets available. You will have to direct message rev.hoddle for that. He's also going to be hosting a Fireside Bitcoin meetup the day before at 7 p.m saturday september the 16th and that one's open to all but you gotta you know bring your own beer uh i don't know if his house uh that he is renting out if you want to stay in a house you know with like actual beds and stuff i don't know if that's available i do know that his yurt is already booked up uh it has two queen beds but you know and and we'll sleep too but or a queen bed And sleeps too, but it's already booked. He's got a house. I don't know if it's booked. Make sure you ask him about it. It's got four beds and will sleep six people. And then there's limited space for uh, recreational vehicles if you want to camp in an RV. And then there's other camping available at all, but you're going to have to DM him for all of that stuff. So Saturday, September the 16th is the meetup. Sunday, September the 17th, you'll have a permaculture lecture. You'll have a lunch. You'll have a permaculture in action tour. So you can see what these elements of permaculture are in the wild and how they work. And then at 3 p.m. it's a wrap up and then you'll do networking. So I highly recommend that you check out Rev.Hoddle's thing that he's got going on around the location of Baroda, Michigan. That's in Baroda, Michigan, September the 17th and then the day before for the meetup. So there you go, Rev. Hope you do good. Noster, A Million Tiny Worlds Part 1, Productivity Apps. I'm not going to read this whole thing, and it's not news. What this is, is Tony over there on Noster, and hopefully if I can remember, actually let me see if I can't do that right now. It's not going to do that for me. I'm just going to go ahead and just say it's Tony on Nostr. And uh, later on, I'll see if I can get his in into the show notes. He's got this uh, thing that he published on Obla.news, which is sort of like a breakdown. I'll read you the intro. Uh, but I, I'm really excited about this being a, so that other people can give... When, when you're talking about NOSTER and somebody's like, I don't think it's going to work, or I don't want to get into a new whatever, you can give them this because it's kind of short. It's m- mostly bullet pointed as to different things about NOSTER. And I'll just read the intro here because it'll explain a lot more. NOSTER is so much bigger than just social media. It is a decentralized communications protocol, which means that it can act as a means of broadcasting any type of information across the internet, and nobody can censor or stop it. It is natural that social media was the first use case that came about. We see so many examples of people being stopped from sharing their views, observations, and concerns, but Twitter and Facebook replacement is just the tip of the iceberg. A million tiny worlds We'll cover the non-social media side of Nostr, which, frankly saying, many of us find much more exciting. I agree. Today, we will focus on the apps, which could be general, generally categorized as productivity solutions. We're going to cover Highlighter, Lister, Penster, nostry and Favvy. And then the rest of the article basically goes through breaking down what highlighter is. And highlighter is yet another Pablo you know offering, because Pablo never sleeps. <coughs> Excuse me. He'll go over Lister, Pinster, Nostri and Favi, and, and basically break them all down. And none of these things have that much to do with the social media model. That was the first model to basically come to light with the Noster protocol. He's Tony's right. Noster is so much more than we can possibly imagine. It is very I am just as, as excited about Noster as I was and still am about the potential of Bitcoin. When people go, oh, Bitcoin's just a new money, it's way more than just new money is way more than that. And Noster is way more than a social media application. Okay. It's th- this protocol is one of the most important protocols since Tor, since Bitcoin, since lightning, all of these things. We cannot really wrap our little minds around what's going on here. So, With that said, we are going to get into the news, and we're going to start with something that kind of gives me the willies. Savannah Fortis from Cointelegraph. Google Cloud to digitize El Salvador's governance, healthcare, and education. Yeah, I'm telling you, man, it's beyond bizarre, but we're going to get into it. Google Cloud announced a new partnership with the government of El Salvador on August the 29th to establish an office and provide Google distributed cloud services in the country. The partnership aims to digitize the country, update government service, and improve the healthcare and education systems. The GDC will also help bring infrastructure closer to where data is generated for El Salvador. Naib Bukele, the country's president, said he believes El Salvador is quickly becoming a hub for innovation. He says, quote, El Salvador is moving forward. We believe technology and foreign investment are key for development. It gives me the, it just raises the hackles on the back of my neck. He also took to social media to post about the partnership with a smirking, smiley face emoji. The partnership will span seven years pending full legislative approval and will help the government digitize products or projects and processes and like, you know, invoicing, permitting, and more. According to the announcement, Google Cloud's entrance into El Salvador marks the first Latin American government to utilize cloud technology. I don't know if that's correct. I'm pretty sure Mexico uses cloud technology, and they are definitely LatAm. Thomas Curian, CEO of Google Cloud, said he believes cloud computing can truly transform Latin America. Quote, access to cloud computing has dramatically expanded across industries and regions throughout the world, he said, adding, enabling both small companies and the public sector to utilize the very same applications and services as more mature markets. Cointelegraph reached out to Google Cloud, hasn't received a response. The additional GDC infrastructure will also help support El Salvador's active stance on Bitcoin, adoption and integration into society. It allows for Bitcoin full nodes with ordinal protocol support. Additionally, on August the 8th, El Salvador granted the cryptocurrency exchange Binance a license to offer crypto services to users in the country. Recently, the Bitcoin beach initiative took to the classroom and taught over 25,000 students about Bitcoin and helped them earn a Bitcoin diploma via the country's education system. The country has already seen immediate returns on the program with the example of one teenager who earned the diploma and then returned to his former school to teach educators about the digital asset. Uh, Well, okay, all that bottom stuff in the article is all well and good, but it's still just, I don't know what Naib is thinking here. You're inviting somebody in that I do not believe at all has your country's best interest in mind. We're going to have to see how this rolls out. The, The second thing that really concerns me is this notion that it's going to help Bitcoin. Here's the the sentences. The additional GDC or Google Digital Cloud infrastructure will also help support El Salvador's active stance on Bitcoin adoption and integration into society. It allows for Bitcoin full nodes with ordinal protocol support. Does that mean that Google is supporting Bitcoin? See, that's what I don't like about this article. That is not at all clear, okay? Okay. And my gut reaction is that Google doesn't care about Bitcoin, although they should. However, they're part of the legacy system. And the legacy system right now is none too happy about the advent of Bitcoin and what it represents. So I really, I don't like this. And I wish that Naive Bukele wasn't doing this. I don't think it's necessary to digitize El Salvador at this time, but that's his country. I'm not El Salvadoran, I wasn't born there, I wasn't raised there, I got nothing to say about it. All right, so at least I can be humble about that. But this one worries me. Google touching anything always worries me. So just keep this in mind. Now we'll we'll talk about the grayscale and, and SEC debacle. Breaking ETF news. a Bloomberg analyst Spot Bitcoin ETFs now have a 75% chance of launching this year, according to Nick Hoffman in Bitcoin Magazine. Today, Bloomberg ETF analyst Eric Balchunas and James Seifert raised their odds of a Spot Bitcoin ETF approval by the SEC to 75% by the end of this year and 95% by the end of 2024. Quote, the chances of the SEC approving spot Bitcoin ETFs this year has risen from 75% or to 75% from 65% following Grayscale's court win, we believe, while the odds by the end of 2024 reached 95%. The judges unanimously repudiated the SEC's arguments, and the agency will struggle to justify further denials as it faces deadlines, negative PR, and hashdex's novel approach. Yesterday, the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals vacated the SEC's denial of Grayscale's GBTC conversion into a spot Bitcoin ETF. While this did not result in GBTC automatically being converted to a spot Bitcoin ETF, the victory was a big step towards the approval of one in the future. The appeals court found that the SEC was arbitrary and capricious in its denial order of GBTC's conversion into an ETF and has vacated the decision. The written opinion from Judge Naomi Rao repudiated virtually every argument made by the SEC when comparing the Bitcoin spot and futures markets end quote a SEC decision on multiple spot Bitcoin ETFs is due by the end of the week, with many believing the applications will be further delayed as these so close as, they're, as these are so close to grayscale court outcome that has just happened. Although, Balchuna said he's not sure timelines will matter as much in this situation and that what is more likely is that eventually the SEC will give in and approve an imminent launch. Okay, so let's be very clear about where we are at this point in time. There is no such thing at this time today, August the thirtieth, twenty 2023, as a grayscale spot, Bitcoin ETF. There is no such thing as any Bitcoin ETF in the United States right now. The vacated or the vacated vacation order, I guess is how we would say it, by the DC Court of Appeals does not automatically convert the GBTC trust into a spot Bitcoin ETF. And I've seen some people say, oh, we've already got it. It's already a done deal. No, no, no. And no, it is not. We'll get into why. And I think that's coming up next. Yes, it is next. From Coindesk, Laila Ladishma and Nicholas Day is writing this one. The Securities and Exchange Commission must review Grayscale's Bitcoin ETF bid after previous rejection, and that's where we are today, August the 30th, 2023. The United States may be about to get its first spot Bitcoin exchange traded fund after a federal court ruled that the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission must review its rejection of Grayscale Investments' attempt to convert the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust into a spot ETF. The legal victory potentially opens the door for a spot Bitcoin ETF in the United States. Advocates have long argued that allowing this type of product would enable a greater swath of the general public to invest in Bitcoin without having to go through the trouble of, God forbid, buying it themselves directly. Or deal with potential issues like their custody providers collapsing. (laughs) Can you say Prime Trust? The SEC has disapproved every such ETF application that it's reviewed to date, though a new swath of applicants are now hoping for success. Circuit Judge Naomi Rao, writing the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals opinion, said that the federal agencies are required to treat like cases alike. Quote, The Securities and Exchange Commission recently approved the trading of two Bitcoin futures funds on national exchanges, but denied approval of Grayscale's Bitcoin fund. Petitioning for review of the commission's denial order, Grayscale maintains its proposed Bitcoin exchange-traded product is materially similar to the Bitcoin Futures exchange-traded products and should have been approved to trade on NYSE ARCA. We agree, she said. The SEC did not explain why it was treating these products differently, making the Grayscale denial arbitrary and capricious, she added. That's a pretty, that's, that's a, that's a big slap in the face to the SEC. In fact, that's kind of embarrassing, but we'll continue. Bitcoin's price spiked. Yes, we saw that. The ruling seemed to specify that the issue wasn't the SEC's rejection of the application so so much as the agency's failure to properly explain itself. Quote, Grayscale has demonstrated its proposed Bitcoin ETP is materially similar across relevant regulatory factors to the approved Bitcoin futures ETPs, the ruling said. Quote, First, the underlying assets, Bitcoin and Bitcoin futures, are closely correlated. And second, the surveillance sharing agreements with the CME are identical and should have the same likelihood of detecting fraudulent or manipulative conduct in the market for Bitcoin and Bitcoin futures. End quote. Grayscale shared enough arguments that its proposed ETF was similar to the recently approved uh, Tucrium and Valkyrie Bitcoin Futures products, which warrants the same regulatory treatment, the order said. The order did not direct the SEC to immediately approve Grayscale's bid to convert its ETF application, but rather to review the application again. Quote, the commission failed to adequately explain why it approved the listing of two Bitcoin futures ETPs, but not Grayscale's proposed Bitcoin ETP. In the absence of a coherent explanation, this unlike regulatory treatment of like products is unlawful. We therefore grant Grayscale's petition for review and vacate the commission's order, the ruling said. A Grayscale spokeswoman called the move a monumental step forward for American investors, adding that the legal team was reviewing the opinion and would be pursuing next steps with the SEC. In a social media post, Grayscale CEO Michael Shunenshine echoed the statement, uh, and, then, and then it seems to be the case that the Grayscale product has narrowed its NAV gap. What am I talking about? All right. We'll re- I'm going to read this one piece for the last part of this article. Otherwise, you're just going to get the history of the Grayscale ETF and there's, or, or GBTC, and there's just no reason to do it. So here's what's going on with the NAV. The, the native asset value in the GBTC trust has been trading at a steep discount to the actual price, and that's been causing problems for well over a year, if not well over two years. It used to trade at a premium, but then all hell broke loose. And then all of a sudden you've got a 50% discount on the GBTC shares as compared to the asset of Bitcoin that those shares hold. All right, let me just read this part. The Grayscale product has traded at a discount to the underlying asset since February of 2021 The discount deepened to a record 50% in December after the SEC reiterated its reasons for denying Grayscale's application to convert the trust into an ETF. However, following large names filing for the Bitcoin spot ETFs, GBTC saw its discount narrow to levels of around 25%, which was the smallest discount since early of 2022. Market analysts have long said that the conversion from a closed-end fund to an ETF will likely eliminate the discount of GBTC entirely due to the nature of ETFs which generally trade close to their fair value. And in fact, I've seen another number that the discount of GBTC to NAV, native asset value, has actually gone to 18%. And I haven't seen that number In a very long time. So it's this entire thing, even though they didn't get a spot Bitcoin ETF directly out of it, it definitely helped Grayscale's Bitcoin trust. And it's probably breathing a sigh of relief to the people that have been buying shares or holding shares all this time. And like literally can't get rid of them because they're like, I don't want to take a 50% haircut. So it, in either event, it's been good for Grayscale even if they haven't gotten their spot Bitcoin ETF approved right now. So that's sort of what that's where we're at with this whole DC Court of Appeals opinion and the whole vacating of the SEC's problematic refusals refusals and rejections. And honestly, being told by a court of appeals that you're going to have to read it again, is honestly very embarrassing for the SEC. And I'm not sure Gary Gensler is going to survive this, honestly. I really don't. I I think that at one point or another, we're going to see him be traded for somebody else and him get benched. And maybe he'll go back to teaching economics classes at Harvard or Brown or whatever Ivy League school that uh, has a speaker spot lined up for him, which I'm sure will net him hundreds of thousands of dollars. And you know where those dollars come from, right? Yes, student loans. Exactly. Now let's move on to X or rather Twitter. They've obtained a license to store, transfer, and trade Bitcoin and crypto. Nick Hoffman is writing it for Bitcoin Magazine Rhode Island has officially approved a license requested by Twitter Payments LLC, X's payment branch, to be able to store, transfer, and exchange Bitcoin and other digital assets on behalf of its users. The currency transmitter license is required for companies who want to perform these activities related to Bitcoin and crypto on behalf of its users. This license also includes related service providers such as wallets, payment processors, and exchanges. Elon Musk has previously stated that he wants to turn X into the everything app, sharing that the platform will add comprehensive communications and the ability to conduct your entire financial world. Don't do it. Do not use X as your bank. Do not use X as PayPal. Just don't do it. You don't want this, okay? But getting back to the meat of the meat on the plate at this point, is that Nick is saying that this money transmitter license allows him to store transfer and exchange Bitcoin and other digital assets on behalf of its users. This honestly just looks like a money transmitter license to me. It doesn't seem to actually say, well, this is a transmission of digital crypto assets. I don't see that. I see this as U.S. dollars, SWIFT, the being able to have bank, you know, like wire between bank accounts, being able, you know, that's what this looks like to me. I'm not exactly sure where Nick is getting the, this can do Bitcoin stuff because, and honestly, that's not really the, the important part. Let's say it is, let's say Nick Hoffman is 100% correct. And this money transmitter license has the ability to legally transfer Bitcoin. Do you think Elon Musk is going to use Bitcoin? No, he is not. Do you think he's going to use Doge? No, he's not. He's going to probably, most likely, my gut feeling is that he is most likely going to spin up his own alternative coin, probably in partnership with somebody like Coinbase or somebody like that, maybe Binance. Who knows? Doesn't really matter. Probably not Binance considering they're in such hot water. Coinbase seems to be the SEC's darling of the decade. So they'll probably go with someone like Coinbase to help them spin this thing up. It'll be their own coin. It'll probably be pegged to the United States dollar or possibly a basket of currencies. But he's not going to use Bitcoin. And for all of you guys that are out there for whatever reason that like Doge that listen to me, even though I you know, really kind of dump all over Doge all the time because it is not Bitcoin. He's not going to use your Doge coin either. He doesn't have control over it. He's never going to be able to get control over it. The architecture doesn't allow that. Sure, he can have more Doge nodes, I guess, but that will never preclude somebody who's also a billionaire saying, I'm going to get more Doge nodes than Elon and I'm going to start forking the network and make, Elon's life absolutely an utter miserable hell. Not outside the possibility. And because it's not outside the possibility, Elon Musk and people like him will not do it. He will only use something that he either fully controls or the same instrument that everybody else already uses that is under control by some of his friends in the United States government, and that would be the United States dollar. All right. Do not expect him to be using Bitcoin. Do not expect him to be using Doge. I do expect him to continue to pump Doge, but he is not going to use it as the major payment rail inside of X. Anybody who thought so, I'm sorry to be the guy that tells you that that's not going to happen. BlockFi is back in the news as they ask a court for permission to convert trade-only assets into stable coins. David Atlee from Cointelegraph Telegraph. Defunct crypto lending firm BlockFi has applied to a court to request the transfer of trade-only assets from its users' accounts into stablecoins so the individuals could withdraw them. The request marks another step towards the return of user funds. On August 29th, BlockFi filed an application to the United States Bankruptcy Court for the District of New Jersey to authorize the conversion of so-called trade-only assets into stablecoins. The assets in questions or the assets in question, Algorand's native token, Bitcoin Cash, and Dogecoin cannot be withdrawn easily, and BlockFi suggests a one time exchange for Gemini Dollar or GUSD or some other stablecoin. According to the application, the amount of trade only assets doesn't exceed zero point five percent of all US wallet assets of BlockFi users other trade assets such as Cardano, Solana, Avalanche, and others are being separately held by BlockFi International. The committee of BlockFi creditors, recognized by the court, supported the company's request. So, BlockFi at this point is trying to disgorge themselves of these really crappy, illiquid instruments so that they can, quote unquote, make good to their users. And I honestly. I I'm I'm surprised that BlockFi at this point is even still in the news because they've been they've destroyed people's lives and they've destroyed a lot of them and they have been doing that for so long and they went into bankruptcy so long ago it just it's disturbing to see this still hanging out in the wind to twist because I it's almost as if the you keep, these people keep promising something that they're probably never going to be able to deliver. And even if they disgorge everything that they own, they're not going to be able to make they're not going to be able to make anybody whole. And it's sad. So the takeaway lesson from this one is never ever 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 get into bed with somebody whose main product and service is something that is offering you yield. If you haven't learned that yet, And there's so many people that haven't. And it scares me. We've been through this for three years now, starting with DeFi and SushiSwap and all that business. It's dangerous. It is a risk. It's a risk that you should be unwilling to take because it is a risk that is unable for anybody to manage. Nobody can manage that kind of risk. You know, go ask a... Greg Foss about risk management and whether or not products that people like BlockFi offer, ask him if, you, if anybody is able to manage that kind of risk and he'll probably tell you, no, that risk is unmanageable. If it's an unmanageable risk, then you should not be able to get into it. So just please, for the love of God, stay away from it. Now it's time to run the numbers. CNBC futures and commodities. First up, uh, oh, thoughts and prayers to the people in Florida. Apparently, uh, they the the, the uh, hurricane that's slamming into them is actually catastrophic. It didn't really weaken. Um, so yeah, it's it seems to be pretty bad in Florida. If anybody is from Florida listening to this show, uh, heart goes out to you, and I hope you are able to stay safe and keep your property. But, yeah, it looks like it's pretty bad. So say prayers and send positive energy if you can. Oil. West Texas Intermediate is up a third of a point to $81.43. Brent North Sea up 0.15 to 85.62. Natural gas swinging for the fences. 3.31 to the upside to $2.75 per thousand. Gasoline is up three quarters of a point to $2.81. Um, gold is the only shiny metal rock doing well today. It's a third to the upside, uh, $1,972 and 90 cents. Silver is down a fifth of a point. Platinum is down a quarter of a point. Copper is down a quarter and palladium is down over 2%. Uh, agricultural futures are pretty much mixed. I got lumber down 0.29%. Biggest loser is going to be sugar 0.75% to the downside. Biggest winner today is coffee. 1.37 to the upside. I got live cattle down a third. Lean hogs are up two and a quarter though. Wow. Uh, feeder cattle are down almost a half. The Dow is up a quarter. S&P is up almost a half. NASDAQ is up just over a half. And the S&P mini is up a half. So there you go. I got real money chilling out at $27,103.68. Uh, 0.8 BTC being sent as an average transaction value and the median transaction value has fallen from yesterday to $10.03. Block times are relatively normal, a little high, 10 minutes, 17 seconds. Got 0.14 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and damn near 20 BTC taken overall in the last 24 hours in fees and with a whopping 10.81% in hash rate. Wow, we're up to 411 exahashes per second. Doge is following Bitcoin like every all, all the rest of the altcoins do, 6.5 United States pennies. Looks like Bitcoin has a $528.1 billion market cap. That is 4.09% of gold's market cap. And if you so choose, you can purchase 14.1 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin of which there are. 19,471,524.32 of and 4,646.06 of those are in the Lightning Network, valued at $126 million, being run over 16,181 Lightning nodes that we know about, sporting 67,952 payment channels that we can see, and 74.1% of everything's being run over Tor. The mempools around the world are loaded to bear. About 160 blocks carrying just under 500,000 unconfirmed transactions waiting to clear at high-priority transaction values of 14 satoshis per v-byte, low-priority transactions going for 12, and anything under 6.5 satoshis per v-byte are being purged from mempools around the world. Hash rate, according to mempool.space, is sitting at 378.4 exahashes per second. We'll split the difference and say hash rate is 395 exahashes per second. So let's do that. I am number five, I think, on Fountain Charts. Thank you very much to people like Fatoshi for getting me there with 12,012. Sats says, cheers. Dubrovko with 9,000 says, can you pass this? Minus expenses and the test boost to Rev.Hodl. I was trying to do that yesterday. So I did. I gave uh, Rev.Hodl 10,000 Satoshis. Because Dubrovko gave me 9,000. And then he gave me another 1,000 on test boost. So those went to Rev.Hodl for you, Dubrovko. At Permaculture underscore with 5,000 says, Rev.Hodl does stand for reverend. But there is someone on Noster going by the full Reverend Hoddle, so I guess I'll just stick with being called Rev.Hoddle. Thanks again for including the Applied Permaculture class in the Circle P. Zap This Man Pies says or replies to that and says, Just heard your interview on Bitcoin Rapid Fire. Thank you for all the work you're doing for people to become more sovereign. Cheers, bro. And then wartime psycho says uh, also replies to permaculture underscore says, I thought so wartime psycho gave me 5,000 says, thank you, sir. No, thank you. Pies with 5,000 says today's music was effing dope. (laughs) <laughs> cheers bro drunk on the beach i, I hear you pal I'm, I'm glad you're having a good time on the beach pies with another thousand says top 10 lfg mofo's. june bug with a thousand says ride in progress kick effing ass dubravko with a thousand says test boost yesterday it didn't work that's the test he was talking about Dubrovko with another thousand says regarding argentina it is getting to the point where a man can't use his position of power to bribe the masses to give him more power without being scrutinized for it. I don't know if I want to live in that world. Yeah, no, I hear you, pal. Monard says, uh, fi- with 500, says, thank you, sir, for another banger episode. Thank you, dude. Guy Smiley, with 500, Sat, says, get up on it and ride. And by the way, Guy Smiley is the guitarist from, oh God, right. Uh, Hold on, I can't, I can't, I can't live leave him hanging like that. Wait a minute, hold on, hold on. Ride in progress. Almost really screwed that up. Yes, uh, Guy Smiley, thank you for the five hundred sats. I dig y'all's bands, your band's music, man. I really do. It's it's good stuff. Bow God's Death three seventy. I enjoyed the tune. See, Guy, telling you, man, everybody likes this stuff. Pie says from the beautiful beaches. Of the Carolinas, thank you, sir, with a hundred. And guess what? Pies does not close us out. No, sir. God's death with a hundred says, thank you, sir. No, thank you. That's going to do it for the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. And speaking of tunes. Which we were just doing there in the weather report. Um, I got a tune for you. Yes, I do. Who's it by? Solution Revolution. What's the name of the song? Solution Revolution. That's a longer song there it's you know a little over six minutes but it is worth it you know what's the use of having a podcast or any kind of show whatsoever that doesn't have a little bit of music in it that that's my point go over to wave lake give solution revolution a few satoshis let them know that you appreciate their music if you did like their music i know that there's going to be people who go oh you know i really just don't like this style of music can you put in more country when I see a good country tune over there on Wave Lake, I will drop that thing in there because I don't want to just, you know, subject you to my taste in music. I just want to be able to bring y'all music that's well recorded, well produced, so that it sounds good. And I want to make sure it's from Wave Lake so that, you know, I don't get the pants suit off me and that people actually appreciate me putting their music into the show. Rather than a lawyer from ASCAP or BMI telling me how I'm a bad person and that I'm a thief. Because that's what they'll do if I put like, I don't know, I'm just going to say Taylor Swift even though I don't listen to her. If I were to put Taylor Swift's music in this show, I would get phone calls from lawyers from ASCAP, BMI, and Taylor Swift because they wouldn't appreciate it. And that's why the legacy music needs to what? Die. Ah. Now, let's get back into the news. How Bitcoin mining is a model for modern industrial loads. Coin Telegraph, Megan Neuvald. Bitcoin mining has long been attacked by policymakers as an expensive, wasteful, industry-consuming power that would otherwise be going to households or valuable industries. Indeed, the scale of global Bitcoin mining is massive. CoinMetrics estimates the Bitcoin miners today consume 13.5 gigawatts of power, equivalent to 15% of the peak generation capacity of the Texas grid. But in recent years, miners have adapted to changing grid conditions and found ways to make their presence much more benign. Whether this involves exploiting entirely stranded sources of power like flared gas by co-locating with under-monetized renewables or by participating in grid flexibilization initiatives. I don't know. I don't even know if that flexibilization... Is that a word? Wow. Oh, well. Bitcoin miners are pioneers in this respect. In the future, we can expect other types of Bitcoin energy intensive Sorry. Sorry. We can expect other types of energy-intensive industries to follow their lead in future years. I expect that Bitcoin miners will be looked at on by environmentalists and policymakers, not with scorn, but with grudging admiration. In time, it will be undeniable that miners helped develop a new type of industrial smart load that is more able to accommodate renewables, bring load to the generation source, and turn down when necessary. The green transition is changing the way electrical grids work. We are moving from a model of fossil fuel generation, which ramps up and down to accommodate load, to one in which variable intermittent renewables play a much larger role. This means a few things. Grid operators must find ways to modulate demand up and down to accommodate the unpredictable nature of wind and solar, rather than just moving supply up and down. This is known as demand response, and environmentalists consider this a vital tool in architecting an energy transition, bringing about a world where energy consumers are able to respond in real time to changing grid conditions. The IEA has called for dramatically more demand response in order to meet net zero scenarios. This means that households are increasingly being asked to install smart thermostats, which can strategically curtail when electricity is scarce. But no one wants to turn their AC down on a hot day, even better if industrial consumers of power are able to perform this service. And indeed, energy intensive industries like aluminum smelting, steel plants, cement production, paper pulping, and oil refineries do play this role. However, all these industrial processes, cannot fully ramp down their usage, and they can't curtail indefinitely or on very short notice. Bitcoin miners, by contrast, can ramp down fully at a moment's notice and stay off indefinitely since the process of mining Bitcoin is actually trillions of distinct mathematical operations each second. There is no progress in SHA-256. For this reason... Miners have found themselves very able to participate in demand response and have begun building this into their strategies. And as it turns out, in some markets, it's more profitable for a miner to plan to be online 95 or 90% of the time and to turn off strategically when energy is scarce and expensive. In fact, grids benefit from loads that can do this, since that's cheaper than paying a generation source to come online quickly. In Texas, during the recent summer heat in which the grid was taxed, Bitcoin miners went offline, freeing that power up for other uses. A recent paper from the Energy Systems Integration Group shows exactly how this works. As the power grid experienced congestion during a few hot July days, the price of power spiked and Bitcoin miners strategically went offline. There have been concerns that Bitcoin miners might overwhelm the Texas grid, but that didn't happen. Texas has been able to manage its influx with the large flexible loads task force. In practice, miners achieve a dual benefit by paying for more generation to be added to the grid. And in Texas, the vast majority of new power being brought online is wind, solar and battery storage while turning down when needed. They are a model citizen as far as renewable grids are concerned by being location agnostic. Miners are also able to exploit sources of power, especially renewable, that are otherwise underutilized. Ordinarily, fossil-fueled generation is built near population centers. However, wind and solar resources may not be near cities nor industrial parks, so expensive transmission lines must be built to deliver that power to load centers. Miners can mine from anywhere, so they can go straight to the source. We see this with Crusoe Energy, which mines right on remote oil and gas wells using excess methane. Only a few industries historically have been able to do this. In the past, aluminum smelters would locate themselves right on top of abundant power sources like hydro in upstate New York. In some cases, Bitcoin miners have moved into these old facilities. Newer industrial lows should follow this model, especially as modern grids incorporate more remote wind and solar. Already, other power-intensive industries like green hydrogen production, desalination, and fertilizer production are mirroring the development of Bitcoin mining. Other industries will be challenged to follow Bitcoin's model. Cloud computing, which is growing rapidly because of AI, is a candidate. Currently, ordinary data centers are less able to interrupt themselves like Bitcoin data centers do since they do suffer serious costs if they were forced to turn down on short notice. Cloud computing providers provide uptime and reliability guarantees to their clients so they can't tolerate an outage at the data center level. AI data centers doing model training probably won't be able to tolerate downtime at all, but inference, the practice of interrogating an existing model, could potentially be made interruptible. As AI continues to grow and consume more and more energy, policymakers and the press will ask the same questions of the AI sector. AI data centers should follow the example of Bitcoin miners. They should look to co-locate with renewables, bring their load right to the generation source, and figure out how to bake in unscheduled downtime into their operations because their future might just depend on it. This is the end of the article, but it also brings up A point that I was talking about yesterday, I think that what's going to happen is that Bitcoin mining companies are going to start getting into AI heavily. Now, in five years from now, will that have been a terrible bet to make? I don't know. I don't think so, but I don't know for sure. But let's just think of it in the short term. Right? We're in the middle of the fad. Everybody's excited about all this, you know, generation stuff or AI stuff and, you know, generative models and uh, whatever. Okay? We're excited. That cannot be denied. And when humanity gets excited about something, it takes quite a while for for us to burn out on it. Okay? So let's just keep it simple and we'll keep it local time-wise here. It's going to be good for Bitcoin miners. Why? Because they already have a standing revenue source. They already know how to get power and disperse that power amongst several types of computers, right? They also already have maintenance crews that know how to clean or basically pull, you know, like a miner, open it up, clean it up, replace power supplies do general maintenance works uh, work on several different types of ASIC miners and then put them back in the rack and plug them back in. They already have all the infrastructure. They already have all what, what, the experience. They know how to do this. They know how to make things mobile. They know how to take a container, a shipping container, and load it up with machines and locate it somewhere the only problem with the AI situation is it can't be as mobile as Bitcoin. Why? Because the output is a lot of data, which means that you have to have data transmission infrastructure for that to really be well utilized. However, Bitcoin doesn't. So what happens if there's if the Bitcoin miners start making, you know, a good amount of coin? on being able to host AI machines, they can start cannibalizing their Bitcoin mining rack space, take those Bitcoin miners and put them into more and ever mobile units and take them out into West Texas and put them on top of abandoned gas mines and harvest that. Why? Because constructing a block and transmitting that block to the Bitcoin network does not work take that much data transmission. In fact, you could use what? The block stream Bitcoin satellite stuff to do that with. You could do that. It is already being done. I think that what we're going to find in the next five years is that if for whatever reason you don't want to buy Bitcoin itself, but you want to put your fiat money into stocks, I'd be looking at Bitcoin mining Really heavily. I would be looking at those Bitcoin miners that are already putting AI stuff into place, or those Bitcoin miners that are releasing statements that they are looking at the situation in a very credible manner, that they are really thinking about doing this. Because I don't think that it's going to be the Googles of the world, the Microsofts of the world that are going to have the majority of AI-backed power or the the, the, well, the computation load that it takes to back AI. Let's say it that way. I think it's going to be the Bitcoin miners around the world because they're already so good at deploying this type of thing. I That's what I expect to have happen. So if I'm wrong, make sure that you tell me about it in five years from now. Okay, here we go semisol on noster uh atlas this is an announcement so anybody who's using rela- the uh the aster or the uh atlas uh and eden relays listen up atlas noster dot land and eden dot noster dot land have been combined and now they have a subscription model so please tell him semisol S-E-M-I-S-O-L. He's got a little purple cat for his icon. Just please tell him if the cost is too high or too low. Existing users get uh, 1.5 months of Eden for free, three months of Atlas, and Eden plus Atlas 3.5 Per month. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hold on. Eden is 1, 1.5 thousand Satoshis per month. Atlas is going to be 3,000 Satoshis per month. If you have Eden plus at will, you'll have now Eden plus Atlas. He's going to charge 3.5 thousand Satoshis per month to use that, which is actually not all that much, honestly, right? At least right now. It's like a, what a buck a month or something like that in either event be aware that both of those relays have been collapsed into one relay. And if we don't support the people that are running relays, then we're not supporting the people that are helping to support the infrastructure of the protocol that we now know and love as NOSTER, right? The relays are critical pieces of infrastructure and they cost money to run. So I've already signed back up for getting the atlas uh dot noster dot land i think is the name of the whole thing but make sure that you get a hold make sure that you get a hold of simisal let him know what you think about the prices if you think it's too high don't be mean about it just say i think it's too high is there any way that we can do this at lower you know do so do it that way be polite be 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 nice but be frank with simisal as to what you think i personally think that the price is okay Now, getting over to River and its reduction of lightning capacity. River to reduce its lightning node capacity by a further 48%, quote. On a smaller scale, closing channels is common to maintain capital efficiency. In July, we did a larger operation without advance notice and caused quite a stir. We wanted to get ahead of it this time, River said. Quote. To properly align capital and manage channels to the right peers, we'll be reducing River's Lightning Node capacity by 48% from 315 BTC to 151 BTC, the company announced on Twitter. The last time River performed a large channel or a larger set of channel closures, it inadvertently caused what some called the largest downward change in channel capacity that we've yet seen. Quote, feel free to reach out to our team or to Alex if you have questions. It's beyond exciting to think about what the Lightning Network will mean to Bitcoin, the company said on Twitter. Sam Wouters, a research analyst at River, added that the announcement is a sneak peek of the upcoming Lightning Research. <coughs> Last week, River shared their latest research report titled, Looking Ahead, Lightning Payments in 2025. And let's see here. Let me read this from Alexander Leishman. Uh, This is illustrative of why public channel capacity is not a very useful metric. We just caused the single biggest decrease in capacity on Lightning but saw no degradation whatsoever in our payment success rates. The Lightning Network is now more capital efficient. It's the more capital efficient that I want you guys to think about here. River is closing down half of its capacity on its lightning nodes. They are expecting that there is going to be no change in the amount of payments that they can process through that node. It might sound bad at first. Oh my God, they're Taking half of their Bitcoin off the Lightning node, that's got to be bad for Lightning, right? No, it's not. The more efficiency that we can gain in the Lightning network now means the better position we're all going to be as more and more people come onto the Lightning network later, whether they know it or not. I fully expect that the majority of Lightning users will not know they're using Lightning five years from now. They won't. They'll have some kind of wallet or service or something like that. And they don't want to know how their Satoshis are being sent. They don't care. They don't want to care. You and me, we might want them to care, but they don't care what we want for them to care about. Okay. That's just the way life is. But they're going to be using lightning no matter whether they know it or not. And people like River Really getting into the weeds of how Lightning Network works and how capital should be deployed and what capital efficiency should look like and how you get there is all important. So, anybody who's like FUDDing this thing that's saying, oh, well, see, they're abandoning Lightning Network, it doesn't work. That's not why they're doing it. They're actually realizing that they can get more done with less Bitcoin. And that means what? They have now a whole bunch more Bitcoin to deploy in other phases of River Financial's business. They're killing two birds with one stone here. So I myself am really happy that they're doing this. I'm not scared about this, and I'm not listening to any FUD of anybody saying, look, they're abandoning the Lightning Network, because that is not what is happening. And now we come Oh, by the way, that was from No Bullshit Bitcoin. This is also from No BS Bitcoin, or otherwise known as No Bullshit Bitcoin. Nucleus. Capital efficient multi-peer lightning network payments. So capital efficiency. We're running with this theme right now nucleus is a draft proposal okay it's a draft that means it's not in action yet it's like arc it's just a paper guys it's just a paper but it's really exciting nucleus is a draft proposal for lightning multi-peer payment channels which provides better capital efficiency no inbound liquidity is required it also provides liveliness it also doesn't rely on a penalty mechanism and it does not require the use of atomic swaps and routed payments for scaling. (laughs) Oh my God, what could it possibly be? Let's read some of these quotes. Lightning payment channels are the only solution for blockchain scalability problems uh, available for existing UTXO-based peer-to-peer networks, which does not require consensus-breaking changes. Still, existing forms of payment channels are capital-inefficient, and put high availability requirements on the participants, which reduces system utility and adoption. The current work proposes a new form of lightning channel named Nucleus, which can be created and run by multiple participants, making their liquidity fully available inside of a multi-peer channel. This significantly increases capital efficiency, improves liveliness, and doesn't require the creation or participation in an atomic swap routing network like the Lightning Network. Quote, the solution can operate on top of any UTXO-based blockchain equipped with N of M threshold signature schemes and time locks without introducing new consensus level requirements of script operational codes. Basically, it means they can just do this this multi-peer lightning-like system called Nucleus on top of the pre-existing Bitcoin blockchain without anything changing about Bitcoin at all at the consensus level. It can just stack right on top. It's a layer two. And multi-peer channels sound very interesting because what does that sound like? There have been several arguments that there's not enough UTXOs to go around to the over 8 billion people on this planet. This is a system that helps to fix that situation. Lightning already helps to fix that situation, but this also helps, right? It's not a direct UTXO, of course, but considering the fact that you can have multiple peers involved in one channel means there's more people involved in that payment network there it, it like for instance when i open a channel with you nobody else is involved if i happen to have channels open with other peers on my lightning node which i do and you send a payment and i just happen to be a peer of one of those people i might be able to route your payment through one of my other channels but multi peer Oh my god that means you're kind of routing within the same channel at least that's how i read it so if i've got a multi peer channel with like and i don't there's there's i don't know what the limit of how many peers can be involved in the same channel but let's say there's 50 peers involved in the same channel it's just one channel and one of the peers what just happens to be wanting to send a payment to one of the other peers in that same channel, there's not even any routing, or at least not the kind of routing that we're used to. This makes capital more efficient. And capital efficiency, I'm so happy that there are engineers and, and, and like, well, coding engineers, financial engineers, lightning network engineers, and Bitcoin engineers that are working on thinking about capital efficiency. What is the most we can get out of any piece of capital being routed over the shortest distance and taking the least amount of time to do? Thank God we're thinking about it now. Thank God we're thinking about it now. All right, coming to the end of the show here. Stronghold, request permission to burn tires for crypto mining in Pennsylvania. David Attlee Cointelegraph, Stronghold Digital Mining, a Pennsylvanian crypto mining company, is seeking approval to produce up to 15% of its energy using shredded tires at its Panther Creek plant in Nesquahoning. I think I pronounced it right. Local environmental activists are losing their mind. Actually, it just says are preparing to oppose the initiative. But yeah, they're losing their mind. And here's their tweet, in fact. Clean Air Council, uh, Council tweeted this. We are calling on state regulators and the Department of Environmental Protection Protection with Earth Justice and Penn Future to deny a permitting request from Stronghold Digital Mining to burn tires as fuels for its Bitcoin mining operation. Read the full story here, and we're not going to do that. According to local media, Stronghold filed an application with the Pennsylvania Department of Environmental Protection back in July. However, the information only broke into the public sphere at the end of August. Officially. The company requested the use of so-called tire-derived fuel, citing the United States Environmental Protection Agency's approval to use the energy source at other industrial facilities in the same state. TDF has been legal in the U.S. since 1991 and, combined with other fuels, is being used at four plants in Pennsylvania. However, local environment activists highlight the dubious state of the facilities already using TDF – and insist that the crypto mining facility should not be granted permission. Russell Zerbo, an advocate with the Clean Air Council, said on the environment focused West Pennsylvania radio show The Allegheny Front quote, because Panther Creek uses electricity it produces to generate cryptocurrency rather than selling that electricity to the energy grid, the plant should be completely repermitted as a solid waste incinerator that would be subject to increased air pollution monitoring requirements end quote. Charles McPhedrin, an attorney with public interest environmental law organization Earth Justice, said that sulfur dioxide and nitrogen oxide emissions skyrocketed after Stronghold took over the Panther Creek plant in 2001, or I'm sorry, 2021. The company didn't shy away from using coal to mine crypto by consuming the supply of the waste coal generously available in Pennsylvania, according to some estimates. 2 billion cubic yards of waste coal are still polluting the environment throughout the state's territory. Recently, Stronghold revealed its financial results for Q2 of 2023. It mined 626 Bitcoin during that period, which is 43% more than in the fourth quarter of 2022. It represents a 1% sequential growth compared to Q1 of 2023, despite the Bitcoin network hash rate rise of 39% and 23% during the same periods, respectively. The company generated a revenue of $18.2 million with a net loss of $11.7 million. All right, so... Tires being burned for fuel and what they're doing, I I know how they're, I know how they're doing this. The problem with burning tires is that, look, I, I like oil and gas. I do. I've been involved with oil and gas ever since I was born because my daddy did it, right? That's how, that's how food was put on the table. I'm not a fan of wanton pollution, however, right? I personally I like carbon, right I do I think it's a wonderful element in the periodic table. in fact it's my most favorite element in the periodic table. I like it more than gold I like it more than silver I like it more than platinum because carbon itself, because of its bonding because of its bonding potential, it can form some of the most intricate and useful molecules on earth. In fact, if it wasn't for carbon, we wouldn't be here. No life on this planet would exist at all. It would just basically be a a gargantuan desert with maybe some water on it. There would be no organic material anywhere without carbon. I think that there are several ways to, if you really want to sequester carbon, plant trees. If you really want to sequester even more carbon than just planting trees, plant trees inside of a pasture so that you have both pasture and trees. And if you really want to kick it up a notch, use ruminants to mow the pastures and deposit their manure back on the pasture, and you'll sequester so much carbon. There's, in fact, a silvo pasture. Trees and pasture with animals taking care of the pastures, sequesters more carbon dioxide from the atmosphere and into the soil than anything other, well, than anything else on the planet, any other system on the planet, whether it's man-made or nature-made. The only thing that sequesters more carbon dioxide and turns it into carbon and throws it into the ground for safekeeping is a mangrove swamp right? That's the only other thing that puts more carbon and takes it out of the atmosphere and puts it into the soil. And that's one of the reasons why I like carbon sequestration. It's not because I'm going hysterical over carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. It's because I look at carbon dioxide as a carbon resource. And the more carbon I can shove in the soil means the more water that soil will hold, which means it makes it drought resilient it also <clears throat> regulates nutrient flow in the soil if the amount of stuff that carbon does in the soil is way too numerous for me to list here but i want to shove as much carbon in the soil as i possibly can i would like to get that out of the atmosphere because it's free i ain't got to pay for it if you know what i'm saying it's like printing money right the trees and the grass and the you know, the animals that are taking care of the grass, the, everything that's involved in that system works to get CO2 out of the atmosphere, turn it into sugars, and then all of a sudden it gets a whole bunch of that stuff gets into the soil and it stays there. It makes me happy. It actually makes climate activists happy. The guys that are losing their mind about climate, act, you know, the climate activist and Greta Thunberg, it actually makes the, it makes everybody happy all at once. I don't even have to be freaking out about, you know, oh my God, carbon dioxide going to kill us all. And Greta Thunberg and her little crew of miscreants, they don't have to give a shit about what's going on in soil. And yet we're both happy. We're both happy. This tire burning thing, unless, unless, unless you've got your scrubbing mechanisms. And I'm not talking about scrubbing CO2. I'm talking about sulfur dioxide, nitrous dioxide or nitrous oxide or nitrogen dioxide. None of these things are good. Okay, they're I mean they're, they're not good. CO2, I don't mind. In fact, I want it because I, one of these days I want to get a whole bunch of I want projects that I design to be able to take all out of the atmosphere and put it in the soil, but that's another story. Right? Sulfur dioxide in the air is not good. It's not good for people. It's not good for your kitty cats. It's not good for your puppy dogs. It's not good for trees. It's not good for grass. It's not good for ruminants. It's really not good for anybody. So unless your pollution scrubbing systems are in place, and I mean dead to rights, you should not be burning tires for fuel. And nothing is said in this Cointelegraph article about how, Stronghold Digital Mining is handling their exhaust or their emissions. And I don't know about it either. I do wish Stronghold Digital Mining would give a very concise but well thought out explanation to how they scrub the emissions from this stuff. Again, CO2, I don't care about. It's okay. Sulfur dioxide, you don't want to have anything to do with that stuff, man. You really don't, and I'm not talking about climate. I'm talking about breathing it in and out. It'll it 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 turns into acid in your lungs. It causes problems. It's it, it literally it turns into sulfuric acid in your lungs at very low amounts, but it's still an irritant, and that's why people have lung problems in places that have a lot of smog. I'm just saying. So I like. It's not that I hate Stronghold Digital Mining. I like what they're doing. I just wish that they'd come out and say, here's how we're handling these other nasty things in in the exhaust stream. But that's all the time we got. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. Dad says jokes back from their uh, uh, ban from Twitter. I'm still... uh, Dad says jokes still has not said a single thing about what happened to the account over there on Twitter, but it is back up like it was yesterday. So here we go. And this is my house. My friend says, what's upstairs. Me stairs. Don't talk. (laughs) Yep. It's a Wednesday joke. It's hump day. Um, again, if you want to support the show, podcasting 2.0 is the way to go. You can boost me Satoshis. You can stream me Satoshis. You can ask me questions. You can do all kinds of stuff. You can even do what Jabrovko asked me to do and take Satoshis that he gave me and move them on over to somebody else. I'll do it. I don't mind doing that stuff. I'm just, you know, I, I'll be the middleman. But what I really do like is questions. I mean, if you guys have questions about why, why do you, why does carbon do so much things for the soil? Then, Feel free to ask me and I'll try to actually fabricate an answer that makes sense for you. You know, dive deeper into this stuff. If you guys have like a topic that you want to talk about, I got a Telegram channel. I keep forgetting to re-note that out. I'll try to do that today. But if you guys have like a news story that you, that you think is interesting, um, just send it to me either through a DM on Noster or send it through me, you know, to me on Telegram. And that way you kind of help produce the show. Because otherwise I got to, you know, I'm curating all this stuff myself and I'm going to miss things. Like there's probably several people who have gone, why did not you cover this? Why did not you cover that? Because I didn't know about it until like after I did the show. If you want me to cover something, give throw me a boostagram. You Not only do you support the show, but you also co-produce the show when you boostogram me with, I don't know, a news article out of Thailand or something like that. But it has to be in English because I'm only unilateral, uh, u- what, 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 oh my God, bilateral, uh, bilingual. I'm only unilingual. Okay. I only speak English. I have a smattering of Spanish, but dude, it, no, I'm not going to be able to read a Spanish article without translating it. So just, just keep that part in mind. Um, remember that Rev. hoddle has his permaculture thing going on September the 17th. He's got a Bitcoin meetup the night before, 7 p.m., September the 16th. 250,000 Satoshis, and you'll understand what permaculture is all about, and that either will give you the impetus to go on and learn more about it, possibly even even getting a permaculture design certificate, or you go, okay, well, I'm satisfied now. I know what it does, and now I'm not confused when people like David start saying things about permaculture. So if you're anywhere close